You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Happy Friday, everyone. And we got a good one for you today. We're going to be joined by what some, in some circles, call this today's guest one of the best whitetail hunters in North America, period. Um, he goes by many names. Some of you guys might know him by the name Furder. Some of you might know him by his birth name, Josh Hilliard, and some of you may know him as the goat. And uh, I just got to rib him a little bit because uh, he had one hell of a year this year. It started out a little rough for him. He missed in Idaho, as you will hear. He missed in North Dakota, but he quickly rebounded and then got some redemption in North Dakota as well and uh, ended up pulling out what could have been a, uh, a really bad year, but capitalized on the rest of his hunts and had a, a, a pretty successful season. And we talk about all that. We talk about the strategy. And one, one place that I really found intriguing was his Idaho hunt. So we get into the detail and the strategy um, of accessing that piece of public ground, what the deer were doing out there. And it sounds like uh, some of these Western states have good numbers of whitetails that still kind of go unnoticed, if you ask me. And Josh kind of talks a little bit about um, his experiences out West, his experiences here at home. Uh, he's from Michigan and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool episode, man. I, I really enjoyed uh, catching up with him and, uh, and chatting with him about this uh, about this season and uh man i just want to some some quick housekeeping um man we're bringing on uh, especially on the the network side of things the sportsman's nation side of things man we're bringing on a handful of rebranded and new podcasts so keep an eye out for western hunting content habitat management 
content, uh, story type content like uh, Big Buck Stories and um, just overall outdoor themed podcast. Man, I tell you what, we are growing and the content that we are putting out, in my opinion, and yes, it's biased, is second to none. So outside of the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Hunting Gear Podcast, please do some diving into the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network and listen to some of the other podcasts under under our uh, family umbrella here. And I think you guys will be surprised uh, of what you'll actually like. So uh, do that. And then make sure your guys are following along on Instagram facebook even though i'm not a huge fan of instagram and facebook these days be sure you're following along because we do put out a lot of reminder content um, out there as well and then on top of that man just go to itunes or wherever you download your podcast and make sure that you guys are not only subscribed to the nine finger chronicles and the sportsman's nation whitetail hunting uh podcasts but some of the other favorites on the network as well and, and then go leave a five-star review and let everybody else know how uh how kick-ass our podcasts are over here man so I would really appreciate all those things uh, before, you know, we do got to do a commercial real quick and we're going to knock these out real quick. Um, hunt stand. You heard the commercial at the front end, man. One of the best um, hunting apps at one of the most affordable prices. And it has a ton of functionality, way more than the other pod or uh, the other hunting apps that are on the market. So be sure you go to huntstand.com, check the, uh, check out all the functionality behind this app, you know, property boundaries, public and private ground, updated satellite image imagery on, on not joking, a, a monthly basis. And then you can enter the discount code SN20 for 20% off. It's not Lone Wolf anymore. It's Novex. It's not a new, it's not a rebrand. It is a brand new company called Novex. And they put out a uh, an American-made tree stand that is very similar to the design of the old Lone Wolves. So I really love that design, and that is what is actually um, keeping me in the woods, keeping me mobile. So uh, go to Novex.com and check it out, uh, and uh, check out that, uh, that, that new brand. You'll see they're very similar to the old Lone Wolves. On top of that, Wasp Broadheads, man, um, family-owned business, American-made products for the most part. I think they do have a couple products that aren't made in America, but they're designed in-house here, and they are total destruction on whatever they hit. Love the material that they use, and if you talk to one of their engineer, Fred Doherty, it's some of the best material that you can find to make a broadhead. Discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers two zero two one for twenty percent off. Ozonics, if you haven't been persuaded by me to go to ozonicshunting.com and check out um, how ozone works in the hunt, you know, in regards to distorting odor and killing your scent profile, you definitely need to go do that. I mean, don't take my word for it. Go do your own research and then go to ozonicshunting.com and take a look at all the different uh, products they offer. Right now, we're offering a discount code if you buy a drywall if you buy a one of their units enter the discount code NFC21 and you will get a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of their units 
and then Excalibur crossbows. Um, go to ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Take a look at all the crossbows they offer. If you are a crossbow hunter yourself and you want the biggest, baddest crossbow they make, they got that. If you're uh, looking for a crossbow for a child or for a brand new hunter or, uh, you know, someone who's new to hunting, then go check out, you know, they have products for you. Durable products, cornerstone of the hunting industry. They've been around for over 30 years. Excalibur, Exodus tra Trail Cameras. Um, why do I love their their products? Because they work. And that's what I that's ultimately what I want from a trail camera. I have cell cams that have been put out in, in September that I have not checked, I have not gone over and checked them uh, since September. And they are still sending me pictures and they're still, you know, working like they should work and I'm happy with that. And uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a camera that takes a lot of pictures and works in some of the harshest conditions. And then lastly, our title sponsor, Vortex, vortexoptics.com. Please make sure to go and continue to check in with their website because they're going to be putting out a ton of um, new products in the next four months. So keep an eye out for that. I have a couple that I'm, I have in my office here, but I'm not supposed to talk about yet. So um, here pretty soon, we're going to be go, I'm going to be taking a trip up to Wisconsin where Vortex is located, and I'm going to be spending some time up there and doing um, a ton of hunting gear. I, th I think I might actually even have a Vortex week where the, I go there and I just interview a shit ton of people from Vortex, learn about their products, and, uh, you know, just kind of BS with those guys for a while. So vortexoptics.com. Other than that, I've already said all the housekeeping stuff. Be good to your neighbor. Take care. Enjoy this episode. Spread the word about the Sportsman's Nation. Spread the word about the Nine Finger Chronicles. And just because the hunting season over doesn't mean that you should stop listening to the podcast, man. Tons of great information coming down the pipe. I know you guys will like it. More unfiltered episodes coming down the pipe. But today we got Josh Hilliard. He's the man. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Three, two, one. Today it is an honor to have Josh Hilliard <laughs> join us on the Nine Figure Chronicles podcast, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? It's, doing it's an good. honor to be here. I'll tell you what, it's been a long time since we've talked, man. Yeah, dude, it has been. It's been way too long, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I don't even really know how to kick this off. A lot has changed in your life since the the last time we uh, hung out or talked. Really, I, I know you got a kid, right? Yep. How old yep. is he? Yep. Got a got a son at home. He's like two and a half. I, we've had to have talked since since I've had him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's just over two and a half. So okay. he, he's definitely changed since since we talked last, though. Yeah. So he's not like a, a precious little baby anymore. He's a terrible toddler. No, no, he, he, yeah, he's, he's in the terrible twos now and running around and yelling and screaming at us when he doesn't want something. And uh, yeah, just a good old time. Yeah. Okay. So you got that and then you got a job at First Light, right? You went from the quality, yes. well, QDMA yep. or the National Deer Association to First Light. Yep. Yep, I moved over to uh, First Light uh, in July of 2021 uh, as their Whitetail Community Manager. Okay. So yeah, big big change there then too. Yeah. What does the Whitetail Community Manager do at First Light? 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm essentially part of our marketing team, um, and I help manage like our, our pro team, if you will, uh, work with folks like you know, Levi Morgan, Andy May, Taylor Chamberlain, uh, Breaking Point guys, the folks that are, are uh, on our pro team on the whitetail side. I'm, I'm working with them um, on, on the marketing side. Uh, you know, some of that uh, revolves around some product development and, and testing and all that kind of stuff, working with our, uh, our whitetail product line manager and, and uh, uh, production team, um, doing some of the content on the whitetail side for our social media, YouTube channels, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when, when you were having your interviews with first light and, you know, you're going through that whole process of whether or not, uh, they were going to hire you or you decided to go work for them. What, did you say, if I work for you, I have to have the best hunting year of my life. Was that like, <laughs> was that, uh, was that a bullet uh, yeah, point that, or, a, um, a negotiating a bullet point? Yeah, I think that was I think that was the deal. If they hired me, I had to I had to have the best white tail year of my life, and uh, so so far so good. So far so good. Yeah, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind of uh, the last six months. That's for sure. Man, that's crazy. I I just felt like every time I kind of went on a serious scroll through Facebook or in, or excuse me on Instagram <laughs> this year, you popped up with another deer on the ground. And I was like, Jesus, man, these, uh, these guys at first light, you know, they don't, they don't screw around with, uh, with the help. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I was, uh, I was very fortunate, very fortunate this year. One to get some time to, to go hunting and, and have, you know, the expectation to be out there hunting. Then also get to get to go hunt with some, some great folks and, um, you know, just a very, very fun fall getting to a bunch of different spots and, yeah. and, uh, really like experiencing a variety of um you know different types of whitetail hunting that you can do yeah. um <laughs> hunted from idaho to pennsylvania all whitetails pretty pretty cool yeah so go go through a list here of all the states you hunted this year yeah so september uh like early september i i hunted whitetails in idaho um came back to michigan for a couple of weeks and then went back out to north dakota for another september hunt um mid-october headed to uh pennsylvania and then hunted uh iowa um in november early november uh hunted southern ohio and then went back to north dakota in the late season um some of those were personal hunts some of those were uh, hunts for work um but those they're all whitetail hunts. Yeah. So you get a job with first light and they say, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to go on some hunts. And so they, I, I, I mm-hmm. have a feeling yep. they didn't have to, uh, twist your, your arm too much. Yeah. That, yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't too, uh, too hard to sell me on that. <laughs> um, and honestly, like I, I knew I was going to get to go on some stuff just like, you know, it, it pretty, pretty awesome opportunity to get, get to do that. But I didn't, I don't think I realized like the depth of what, um, I'd be getting to do. Yeah. Um, so some of it came as a very welcome surprise, um, as, as those things started to pop up and, uh, definitely a little, a little bit more than, than what I was expecting for sure. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. That's awesome, man. All right. So let's kind of, let's go through the, your, your season real quick and, and start in, uh, start in Idaho. Let's talk of first off, 
Um, you know, everybody who listens to this podcast is accustomed to the the farm country, the 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 typical mm-hmm. Midwest farm or like a ag timber mix type of scenario. Even on the network here, we talk yep. about uh, the South a little bit. We talk about Pennsylvania and, and big woods. Yeah. But how different is Idaho compared to all the other hunts that you went on? Uh in, in some ways very different in some ways not a lot different at all yeah um the the areas where we were hunting in in idaho i, I was out there with mark yeah um and so we were essentially hunting like river bottom stuff down in the valleys um we were we were not up in the mountains or uh, you know we had some mountainous areas around us um but we were really hunting uh river bottom stuff like public land that butted up to private ag fields yeah um and these these deer essentially were bedding along the river and all the cover and the cottonwoods and all that kind of stuff and then working their way out into these um, irrigated alfalfa fields um so i mean in some ways very similar to the midwest yeah you know hunting hunting the bedding um between you know hunting corridors between bed and food uh, especially in the early season, I think the biggest the biggest difference is just, you know, I've got to hunt out there a couple of years now, and in just that early see like early September, um, it's you know you think of Idaho, you're not thinking of like mid 90s, but I mean that's what we've had the last couple of years out there is hunting in the mid 90s, and um, just in terms of like the time of year, it's been very different from what, I'm, what I've been used to. Yeah, so like talk to us a little bit about this whole betting on public feeding on private because um and i've Mm -hmm. i've I've been hunting out west in south dakota now for let's see going on three years now four hunts in three years and this whole like all the food is on private but some of the cover like along the rivers um there's there's very little there's very little access and there's very little food actually on public so how did you go about like wrangling the 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 strategy to get you into like find these little travel corridors that would put you in the right yeah. spot without a trespassing and b bumping the deer yep yeah and, and i think you're hitting on something there like talking about all the food being on private um and all the bedding essentially you know very little food and and uh being on private and then most of the most of the cover is on public um there's very at least where we're hunting is very little cover on private um a lot of that you know it's been basically all turned into um you know ag fields so i my guess is that any sort of little woodlot or anything like that has been you know bulldozed to to be able to produce more crops and things like that so that really helped kind of narrow down where these deer were um however i mean we're talking like essentially miles of river bottom public land. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how we kind of narrowed it down was did some scouting. We were able to get there a couple days early. I think we were there a day or two early um, from when the season actually started um, this trip anyway. So we got out there, we drove around, um, kind of, you know, checked out the crop fields and what was planted and, um, we focused on green fields. So anything that had alfalfa, it's, it's pretty much all alfalfa or like, um, 
some corn uh, out there where we were at, but see the corn or alfalfa and, uh, and I guess maybe some potatoes um, in various spots, but, but heavily alfalfa yeah. in that area. Um, so we just focused on some of those sections. Um, what were you looking were, for? Uh, I mean, yeah. when it, when it came to either e-scouting mm-hmm. or putting your boots on the ground to, to do the scouting, once you got out there, what were you looking for specifically to say, Hey man, I, I need to get a tree stand in here. Yeah. So we, so this is a, this is a section that we had hunted the previous year too. Um, dealt with some trust and not, not trespass, dealt with some, uh, hunting pressure, um, more so than what we, we thought. However, kind of how the calendar fell this year, there, it was not, you know, we weren't hunting over like Labor Day weekend and all that stuff. So we, we, we thought we'd give it another shot and see if we could get in there. And essentially we were looking for spots that were difficult to access that, that butted up to, you know, some private ag fields, um, that, that deer would be feeding in. Um, and then we would then kind of you know, X out some of these areas that were some of these just like big open, like sage flats or whatever, um, that would go all the way to the river. So there's not much cover there for them. Um, so we were kind of focusing on some of these, these areas that had some, you know, some of these thick kind of willow, I don't, I don't even know what they were, but this just tall, like brushy, nasty, um, stuff with, with cottonwoods then mixed in and. And a lot of these spots had little areas where they'd kind of funnel the movement right from, uh, you know, the bedding along the river right to these these crop fields, these these alfalfa fields. And uh, like for example, one of the spots that, that I sat in, and this is a general area where I I sat almost the entire week and had a lot of a lot of action was this little kind of uh, tributary into the river, um, or this like canal system that I, I think that these farmers are pulling some of their, their water from, um, basically created these little islands that these deer were betting on and getting away from any pressure. And then they'd cross the, the, these little canals. Um, and then they kind of funnel in through like a, this basically like a gap in the farmer's fence is where a lot of these deer are moving through. Um, and I kind of focused on this little section where a couple of these islands came together and funneled right towards the um, alfalfa fields. Um, and, Mark was looking for those same kind of areas that were kind of dictating the movement um, from the bedding to the to the to the crop fields. And we were we were hiking almost two miles in from the access points, just like these long um, kind of long trails that would go from you know the, the the parking spots that you could really the only two places you could access that you had to to walk a significant distance to get in and. Um, but hey, I'm telling you, we still dealt with plenty of hunting pressure this year too. People riding bikes to get back in there, and um, there, there's more people hunting whitetails out there than than what we we thought there was going to be. That's for sure. So as far as the layout of the land is concerned, um, and I noticed this a lot in South Dakota with just about everything. All the food along the rivers are are private, and then sometimes there would be a a, a parking spot. And then like a, a jet of like a, a straight line or a rectangle running along the river, but no access on either side. So essentially, you know, you, you had to walk a a long distance in if you wanted to get there. Were were you guys, it sounds like, and it sounds like that's what you were doing. Were you guys bumping deer on the way to your spots? Uh, no, um, we were primarily, um, the, the way (laughs) that, The way this the spot worked is is 
the, the kind of the trail system that had been created from either you know, people getting in there, there's, um, you know, walking trails or whatever. They, they essentially, um, like parallel or really close to the, to the private land. Um, so we were able to stay out of the bedding when we were getting in there, um, to access, we were, we were primarily just hunting afternoons. So we were, we were staying out of the thick stuff, being able to access kind of, you know, from the food heading into the bedding instead of, you know, tromping through the bedding there. Um, we did hunt a few mornings, um, towards the end of the trip. My guess is we maybe bumped some deer, um, but those, those mornings that we did hunt seemed to, the deer seemed to be moving, um, later coming back into bed later in the morning. I just don't yeah. think they were, they were super pressured yet. Even though we saw some hunting pressure, I don't think it impacted them too much that early in the season. So my, my guess is they were far enough. I mean, these are, these are big, big alfalfa fields out there. Mile, so my guess mile is mile by just, a mile or something you know, like that. Yeah. Big pivots. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like a, like a little 20 acre field or something. They're huge. Yeah. Um, so my guess is they were just on those mornings, they were just far enough into those fields that we weren't bothering them. And we were going in without headlamps and, and trying to be as quiet. And these morning hunts, when, when we did hunt the mornings, we were walking in without our headlamps and trying to be as stealthy as possible. Um, you know, we'd been hunting there for, for a handful of days now and had a pretty good, grasp and, and we had our bearings pretty well and on where we were going um if we did need to use the headlamp we were we were keeping on red and just being as quiet as possible i think these deer were pretty far out in these alfalfa fields too um that we were not uh, spooking them too bad getting in there yeah uh, those few mornings we hunted yeah what what are the deer uh, numbers like out there because when i when i ran into whitetails uh, um especially if I was, if I was on private or excuse me, on public looking into private, especially for whitetails, man, we saw a really good number because they seem to be concentrated in these pockets, like what you're describing. What was the scenario? Yeah, Yeah, we were at the, the, the deer densities are certainly higher um, than a lot of other places. I I think you hit the nail on the head um, talking about pockets, uh, especially in some of these Western states. Um, in, in Idaho specifically where we're, um, you know, I'm a little bit more familiar with, they have like heat maps on their, you know, state game agency page that kind of gives you like densities for, for whitetails. Very interesting to see where those little pockets are. Um, but where we were at, yeah, I'd say it's like, like medium density. Um, we didn't see like a ton of, I mean, we, we saw a lot of deer. Um, but I, I still don't think it's like the number of deer, like you'd, you'd see when you're in Iowa or Southern Michigan or something like that. Um, yeah. If you're driving around in the morning or evening through some of these bean fields, like th- that's a lot of deer. Yeah. Um, but I, I, where we were at is pretty well, uh, uh, pretty good density. And I think what makes it different is just like the, 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 the sex ratios are a little bit more even. And then the buck age age structure is just so much better um, than some of these more heavily pressured states. So the deer that you are seeing are are much more quality um, typically. Yeah. So uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the the quality of bucks that you were seeing and Mm -hmm. were they still in velvet? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely still in velvet by the, by the end of the trip though, I'd say, 
definitely seen a lot more maybe like uh i'd say like the beginning of the trip it was probably like you know 80 to 90 percent were in velvet um by the end of the trip i'd say you know 30 to 40 percent were were left in velvet definitely had some bucks go hard horned over over that that week that we were there eight nine days however long we were there gotcha um but in terms of like buck quality like we're not seeing like just booners running around everywhere but just like a a really good solid like you know pope and young class bucks like 125 to like 150 inch bucks um especially like that that 125 to 130 range just a lot of deer like that um that would be i would have been happy to wrap my tag around anything like that um yeah just a good kind of like a good like that, that's just kind of like a good measuring stick for that area. I felt like that 130, 140 inch buck is just a really good representative of a, of a really nice deer out there. Yeah. 140, man. Uh, especially when I don't, I don't know about you, what, what, when you're out in a, in a scenario like that, where, you know, you're not going to like in Iowa, right. When you were hunting Iowa, there's probably a yep. little glimmer of hope that dude, you could, you could possibly run into a 170 in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. Um, yep. and I'm sure that expectation was a little bit different, like going into a hunt like that and kind of knowing the age structure and knowing the antler size that was out there. What were, what were your goals for that specific hunt? Yeah. So my goals for that, I honestly don't really care much about antler size. Um, I was more looking for a mature deer and for me, I mean, where I'm at and, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd have been happy to, to kill a three and a half year old buck, um, out there. Uh, and I, I couldn't care less what was on his head. Um, so I, I was going into that hunt, anything that just made me happy from a, from an age standpoint. Um, I would have, I would have, especially on these out of state hunts, right? Like you have you know, five to seven days or whatever to get it done. And, um, you may not know the area very well. And, um, I think anytime you can wrap your tag around a three and a half year old buck or older on some of these out of state hunts, you should be damn proud of that. Yeah. That's um, a fact. So that, I mean, and, and honestly, as the week went on, I was, <laughs> I, I was ready to shoot a, a two and a half year old, you know, I, I was just like, I, I wanted to, to, to make it happen out there. And, and, you know, my, my, you know, maybe my, my goals changed a little bit as we went along, but, um, had my opportunities, I had my opportunities and, and uh, I guess we can maybe get into that a little bit, but yeah. Talk um, to us about the was, encounters. Was that, yeah. Talk to us about the encounters. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were having pretty solid encounters from, from day one, um, a little bit of a lull midweek and then really picked back up again, um, by the end of the trip. But you know, that, that opening day, um, I saw a slammer of a buck just pop up out of nowhere. And he was probably the eighth or ninth buck I saw that night with, a a couple of other shooters too that night just just was not in a spot where I could get a shot I think he ended up the closest he ended up getting was like 45 50 yards but just was like behind some brush and um just just no opportunity for a shot um and to be honest I'm not real comfortable shooting at a at a that that far I mean there's just so many variables that can yeah. can happen I'm sure guys well I know guys do it and um, sure people kill plenty of, plenty of deer at those distances, distances, just not something that I'm willing to, to risk. And, yeah. um, so it didn't, you know, being the first night, I just, I just wasn't going to take that shot. Um, thought I could put together a pretty good game plan to 
to get after where these deer were coming from. Um, the next night, made some adjustments, saw a deer, again, then heading back. <laughs> they were moving through then where I sat the night before. Just, <laughs> just one of those things, right? Like, you always seem like a, a step behind. And, yeah. um, you know, finally, like, end of the end of the week, um, I'd kind of pushed back in. Like, each day we kind of, like, we kind of worked our way from the the perimeter and then in back towards the bedding is kind of like was our strategy so kind of sit close to the food um the first night see what was happening try to make a game plan um uh based on what we had you know seen from some scouting the the previous day and then that first hunt we we were going to try to make some uh, adjustments then from there so we kept pushing back in a little bit deeper each day and Oh, I can't even like, it feels like a lifetime ago, this hunt. I yeah. can't believe it was just a, a couple months ago, but, um, by the time it kind of pushed back in, I got into a really good spot that, that I, I knew these deer were going to have to come right through where I was based on kind of like an, uh, like an open field to my left. There's like a dried Creek bed to my right that kind of, um, ended into this little channel that they were crossing. Um, with some thick cover right there. So I really thought that they'd, they'd kind of walk that dry creek bed. I saw a buck do that the the night I glassed, um, the night before the season. Yeah. saw a buck do that and kind of got back in there. I was able to find it then um, when I was walking in one day. And I was like, yep, this is where I'm going to, you know, this, this is where it's going to happen. And that first night I sat back in there, ton of action, ton of deer coming right through there. I go, all right, I'm in the game here. Just never the right buck. I passed like a nice, like – you know, two and a half, probably like a 110 inch, like eight point, just like a nice solid buck. But I just knew it wasn't quite what I, I, I came out there for. Yeah. Um, so I just decided I'm going to go back. I'm going to sit that spot. I think we had three days left. I was like, I'm going to sit right here for the rest of this trip and see what happens, see what comes through here. And, uh, next night, um, same type of thing happened. Bunch of, bunch of young bucks going through there, some does, um, funneling through there and then had like, one nice buck pop out another nice buck pop out of these this these like this really scrubby stuff and and kind of make this circle right around to me and then the third deer comes out just like slammer but like 150 inch buck no shit um and i about i about fell out of my <laughs> <laughs> fell off my platform and i just like holy cow and um i was like holy this, this is actually gonna happen they're like coming right towards me they're gonna walk this little trail right at you know 25 yards done deal well motions got the best of me i just kind of went into autopilot and he he did the the big deer did not do what these other two deer were going to do um they they walked through this and i would have shot any of these three bucks Dan. yeah um like all of them were, were like really solid deer um i was just like gee well, i'm gonna shoot the the biggest one he's gonna do the same exact thing as these other ones did and just get ready and these other two go you know, right up this trail at 25 yards. And then this deer kind of starts veering off that trail and starts to kind of feed or kind of browse his way away from me. And I just rushed, rushed the shot and I shot under him. I think he ended up being um, a little further than I thought. Um, he's like 33, 34 yards. Um, and I just shot right under him. And honestly, like one of those things I like tried to go back and like, what happened? How, how did this happen? And I couldn't even like remember what happened. Yeah. It was just like, you just black out. Yeah. Um, I just, I just panicked. I rushed a shot, rushed the whole situation 
and uh man paid was he in velvet at that point still um, oh yeah 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 yep dang yep. bro uh, actually you know what no 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 no, no, no. The, the 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 buck i shot at was not okay he was, he was hard horned okay um, the other two were in velvet still um and i i was figuring my you know that was the end of my trip i think we had one full day left after that and um I went back in there the next morning and lo and behold, that deer was coming right back the same area, just kind of skirted around that, that where I would have a, a shooting lane. He was at the doe and, um, a couple other young bucks and they kind of went in just out, you know, maybe 60 yards, went into that thick stuff and yeah. went back in there in the evening and, and, uh, thought I'd maybe see him again, but, but no dice. So yeah. that was kind of how that trip ended from, you know, uh, Definitely, definitely a low point. Um, definitely not a good way to start your year. Yeah. Missing what, you know, probably would have been the biggest buck of my life up to this point. And, yeah. Um, what's crazy though? Being able to. <laughs> what's 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 good about that though is, you know, I, I never want to say that a, I don't know, a miss. Like there's so many things people overlook when they miss a deer like that. Yeah. But what in the story that yeah. I heard is you bounced around back and forth in an area until you found the right spot, right? Yeah. The, the spot yep. within the spot. Yep. And then you found that, that spot. And so your strategy worked. It's just that yeah. you got a little buggered I up on the execute. end. Yeah. 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 No. And that's, that's kind of like what I ultimately, when I kind of like was able to, to look back on the situation and kind of like, you know, I put myself in a position to kill a really nice buck, probably, all of four and a half years old on, on some heavily pressured, you know, public land, you know, 30 miles from my, or 30 hours from my house or whatever that yeah. stepped on, stepped foot on one other time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, like I gotta be, you know, just take it all into, take it all into account that I, I put myself in a good situation. I just had to execute next time. Yeah. That's a fact. Well, uh, so you you had some takeaways on a hunt like that. I'm sure it was fun, yeah. Regardless yep. of of that. Oh yeah, you're great. And uh, it's probably it sounds to me like it's something that you're going to continue to do every year. I'm going to try to do it. Yeah, I'm going to try yeah. as 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 time and and family and all that kind of stuff allows. I mean, it's just a, such a fun hunt. Yeah. Um, get out there, hunt the afternoons, be able to do some fishing and stuff in the mornings. Um, is that a and, and just, over the counter tag? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Over the counter limited quota type, like where there's like only so many tags. So it's not like unlimited. Yeah. Um, but they're the tags that they have are over the counter. Okay. So you can go, you can go, you can drive there. You can go to a store and buy a tag until they are, did, or did you, did you get your tag online or apply for it somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Online. Online. I got you. You can't, I mean, you can, if, if they still have left, I mean, you could go to a store and get them if they still have leftovers yeah um but the way things have been going out west the last couple of years that's a dangerous game to play you yeah. better you better double check to see if there's tags left before you leave that's a fact that's a if fact. you're not going to buy online yeah for sure all right so after uh after idaho you went away you went back yep. home for a while and then what was the next yep. uh went home to lick my wounds for a, about a week <laughs> or two and then headed back to uh headed back out that way i went to north dakota um this is for a work trip 
um, hunted, got to hunt with the guys from the Breaking Point TV. Okay. Um, you familiar with those guys at all? Um, I've heard of them, but I don't really yeah. consume a lot of outdoor content, which is bad to yeah, say yeah, considering that I am a, <laughs> you know. No, I uh, hear you. I hear. Yeah. Well, these these guys are just some. I mean, they're just like salt of the earth, down down to earth, like kind of guys I'd want to hunt with. Like, yeah. Bushlight drinking dudes. Um, just a well, lot that's a win right there. And they've got a. Yeah, yeah. So we had a great time. Like they have this awesome little camp. Like if you go check out any of their stuff on YouTube, they have this. They had this like awesome little like tiny home camp type thing, mm-hmm. um, out in North Dakota. They called Camp Dinkota. So we went out there. Um, this was for a, like a, a work trip that um, had did the whole camera crew, all that kind of stuff, which is uh, you know new for me. Um, and uh we hunted north dakota in the early season again same kind of thing we were north dakota is probably the the most interesting spot i hunted this year in terms of like just being different um from anything else um hunting these these deer that essentially just live in these cattail marshes um with really no rhyme or reason for where they're going and limited food options and limited cover and um very strange hunting um, very strange area to hunt, but also cool. It just like shows the diversity of places that you can, can hunt whitetails in. And, uh, that was a tough hunt. We, um, we just, we really struggled seeing deer on that trip. Um, until kind of the end of it, again, we dealt with some hot temperatures, some super windy days, like 30, 40 mile an hour wind, um, gusts and just, you know, those deer are used to it, but it definitely, it definitely limits some of the movement that you see. Yeah. Um, so we, 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 we struggled through the first few days. I think we were just out there for five days. So it was kind of a quick trip. Yeah. Um, saw a handful of does you want to talk about like, like densities being low. That's, that's a spot where, um, you know, uh, it's not as, it's not as low density as some areas, but you know, seeing five, six, ten deer a day, like you're yeah. really doing well. Um, yeah. isn't it crazy um, out West yeah, where you can, have a day where it's so quiet that, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, you can see forever, but it's so quiet. The only thing you might be able to hear is an airplane flying over the head, just the, the distant yeah. jet. Yeah. And then every step you take sounds like you're walking on a bag of potato chips yeah, exactly. as opposed from exactly. the, the windy days where like I'm six foot, 220 pounds. Damn, you're getting blown over because it's so strong. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like the, the conditions and, and then the same thing goes for like deer too, Dan. Like yeah. you go, like you, you can see a bunch of deer one day and, and see nothing the next, yeah. um, or the next couple. Um, and I don't know, like, I've, like, I think North Dakota from, from my understanding, they had a really bad drought this year. Yeah. Um, at least parts of the state. Um, so a lot of these like cattail marshes and things like this, things like that, where these deer live, a lot of them were, were very dry compared to past years. And from the sounds of it, it's like talking to those guys and what they've experienced, um, seemed to maybe spread around the deer a little bit more. There's, there's more areas for them to, to bet on and, and be dry. Yeah. Um, so I think it just like dispersed the deer a little bit more so they weren't as heavily concentrated as they sometimes are. Yeah. Um, but definitely had a, uh, kind of a slow hunt, but had my, had my opportunity again and, and, uh, (laughs) 
just had another mishap, man. Just like couldn't have asked for a worse start to the year than you know, missing out a big buck in, in Idaho. Going to North Dakota, um, it got like we had like five cameras on the ground blind. Just like that's not that's not very conducive to getting over a, yeah. <laughs> a bad shot, right? Like having all these cameras pointed at you, and and uh, we we're hunting out of these ground blinds, and you know. You know how sometimes they've got those like kind of like cross beams in them as like the supports in the window. Yep. Um, very con, you know, very conscious of that as you know, sitting in there and like, okay, I think this is where my shot's gonna be. Blah blah blah. And we're at we're to the end of this hunt, and there's like this spindly little two and a half year old eight pointer that came out, and you know, I'm, you know, this is the second to last day of our hunt. It's been super slow. I was like, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shoot that bug. That's it. That's not a bad bug. Um, I would have been super happy with him, and and uh, it's just one of those things. You think he's gonna come, you know, right by, and and he something's up. He he knows something's up. Kind of skirts around us, and he starts to like trot away, and I stop him, and I have to change where he stops. I have to change the window that I'm shooting out of. So I I readjust, I get on him, and I shoot, and. Dan, it looked like I threw like a curveball out of my bow. Um, I had like a illuminated knock on there, yeah. and you can see it like in the footage. You go back, like it just like I missed like ten or fifteen feet to the left. I mean, just like perfect curveball, like away from. I was like, I think I, like you can hear in the in the clips, like what the hell, like yeah. what happened? And we went back and just like looked at that footage, and the best we can tell is like I just like barely glanced that crossbeam. Um, and, and it might've just been like my fletching or maybe it ripped off a of fletching or something. We could never find the arrow. Um, that, that's how like off it was. And like, it just totally screwed up the entire shot and we never found that arrow and weren't able to confirm if we, we knocked off a of fletching or something. But I think what happened is just, just got a, enough of a glance off that cross beam that, um, sent that thing well off mark. Um, so again, yeah, talk about being down in the dumps, yeah. Um, not only uh, not only do you miss, but miss badly on camera. Also on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so at least like, maybe you could play know. it off a little bit on the the Idaho trip. This is on camera, so it definitely makes you look yeah, like a yeah, loser. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and and I I think the the one thing that I felt good. It's not like I misjudged something or like just made like a. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. You just you know, one, one minor thing you don't take into account or you don't think about and, and it spirals downhill from there. So, um, honestly, man, what was, you know, a year as I was super excited for, I was just like, gosh, this could not have started any worse. Um, just super filled with doubt, right? Like doesn't get much lower than that. Um, so and not not a good feeling. It's not even October first yet. I've missed two deer. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> so you leave. But, yeah, yeah you, you leave North Dakota. Um, leave North Dakota empty-handed. Empty-handed, yep. and then uh, back to Michigan. Were you hunting in Michigan at all while this was going on, or or did you? Uh, no. Nope, well, no, we, because we yeah, don't yeah. start. We hadn't even opened yet. Yeah. We hadn't even opened yet. So yeah, get back to Michigan. Get to hunt at home a little bit. Try to clear my head. And, just kind of settle down a little bit and um not much action happening in michigan for me in that that early part of the season honestly i was really just getting out when i could trying to make up some family time because i knew 
the rest of the fall is going to be crazy too. Like I had already been gone, like how that Idaho trip worked out. It was like on the end of a, of another work meeting that I was out there for, for like four or five days prior. So I was like gone for almost two weeks, um, from the end of August into September, um, on the Idaho trip, come back. I'm you know, with travel and everything. I was gone for a week in North Dakota. I knew I was going to be having a bunch of other trips coming. So, I was really just trying to, to build up some, some family time and spend time with family that early part of October. And, and the main spot I hunt in Michigan is, is really never that – it hasn't been great in the early season. So I, I just didn't put a ton of time in. I got out a handful of times, but um, definitely was not hunting it super hard yet. Yeah. And then when what was your next trip? Next trip uh, was to Pennsylvania. I actually got to hunt with Levi Morgan – um, at his place in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you want to talk about pressure, go, go hunt with, uh, like the, a world champion archer after you've already missed two deer. I mean, <laughs> um, that was, <laughs> I, I think for me, it so, would, I, mean, I, I would feel I'm the opposite. I think I would feel the opposite. I feel like oh, this guy's so much better than me. There is literally everybody already knows that I, that I can't compete. So I would just be like, yeah. that's no pressure, no yeah. pressure. But exactly, but I, didn't, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even about like competing with like, I was like, yeah, I know I, I don't, I couldn't hold a, you know, I could not hold my own in the least with him and, and shooting as I knew yeah. that, but you don't want to go there and, and, uh, botch something up or make a bad shot or, yeah. um, but man, it was, it was such a great trip. Um, Levi's just a great guy. Uh, one of those guys feel like family first time you meet him and, uh, you know, they welcomed us in and, and, uh, man, we had a lot of fun. Um, we had a lot of fun that week and he's got uh, a great piece in in Pennsylvania and he shot just an awesome buck, his best Pennsylvania buck ever. Uh, I think that was the second day we were there. First full day we were there. He shot his target buck for the year and like really one of his first couple hunts of the year on his place. Um, and then I ended up, uh, bounced around on two different deer first day was pretty pretty quiet um next morning we did a a hanging hunt we brought in uh this this was another work one so we've had a camera crew with us but um me and the camera guy went and did a hanging hunt um a little patch of woods that he had been getting some pictures of of a buck that uh, super old bucks super old pennsylvania buck would have been an awesome one to kill and um there's a couple scrapes in that area that that deer had been kind of bouncing back and forth between. And, and, uh, we got set up in the morning, one of those spots like, Hey, go in this general area. But we essentially just went in blind. Um, we, you know, camera guy and I were looking at some spots and night before and dropped a pin in an onyx and walked right to it in the morning and, um, saw some does. Uh, we had a nice buck kind of skirt by a little further down, um, the woodlot that, I think it was heading to a different scrape. Um, and this was like, this was like mid October. So we're like talking, uh, the quote unquote October lull time period. So yeah. scrape activity is really kind of picking up. So that's kind of like what we were focusing on. Um, he's getting a lot of, a lot of trail camera pictures of, of bucks hitting scrapes. So that was really like our main focus. Um, and we saw a nice buck just, just couldn't quite, uh, we, we just weren't in range. Um, stuck out for a couple hours there that morning and then we went and sat food, um, sat one of his food plots that night. And, uh, there's a buck that he has had history with, um, 
since they bought the farm, I think they, I think they had this piece for like five years and they thought this deer was, I'm sorry, maybe they've owned it for four years. They thought this buck was three and a half or four and a half when they bought it, you know, that long ago. And he's still around, just really never did much, um, like in the antler department. Like, I think this year is like one of his best years ever. And I, they think he was like seven and a half, um, seven and a half or eight and a half. I'm going to send in, I've got the incisor. I think I'm going to send it in here, um, this spring and see how old that deer actually is. But, um, saw one of the other kind of target bucks in that area and he was, he chased a doe right out of the field and, and, uh, thought our hunt was pretty much over, but he was grunting around up in that, um, up in that food plot and, and ran this doe well out of the field and, and down into the woods across the street. And that deer wasn't coming back, but literally like two minutes later, um, it, this deer just, I see these antlers just like bounding through this like CRP grass, like up to this food plot coming up this hill. I was like, that's, that's that buck. They called him stubby. And, uh, he came like, like right to us. Like there, we had like a mock scrape tree in the, uh, in the, uh, food plot. And, uh, one <laughs> Levi's got these mock scrape trees at like 40 yards. I, I was like, couldn't you bring those in? Like maybe like 15, 20 yards. <laughs> so he's like coming. And I, I think what happened is he heard that other buck in there, another mature buck, like probably another four and a half, five and a half year old deer. Um, that was up there grunting and running around these does. And I think what happened is he heard that deer up there and that buck just came on a, on a tear looking for him, see what was going on. And, and, uh, I stopped him at like 35 yards and double lunged him. And he fell over just as he got out of the food plot. And it was just like one of those moments was like, Oh, just like the weight of the world, <laughs> like off yeah. your shoulders, like seeing your arrow hit its mark and, and, and just feeling good about a shot. Um, I'll tell you what though, like that old, that old buck about ducked that arrow. Really? Um, like you go back and look at it and like I double lunged him, like hit him good. But if I would have aimed any higher, you know, if I would have, if that arrow would have went any higher that he would have ducked that thing. It's unbelievable how fast those big old deer can move. Well that, and um, he's yeah, probably man, been shot at before, you know, with the, yeah. just, oh, yeah. just from yeah. the, the point of Pennsylvania pressured deer, a lot oh, of lot of hunting tons encounters. Of pressure. Yeah, tons of pressure, man. Yeah, like like Levi's place is awesome, and and he's created a, a, just a, a incredible property that he has there. Um, has a lot of bucks, but I mean, it, it's funny he's he's dealing with the same thing everybody else deals with, right? I mean, heavily pressured, you know, heavily pressured state. He's got neighbors all. I mean, all his neighbors are hunting, and they're all serious about it. Yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, I'm sure that's, that buck has been shot at before. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got nine lives too, right? I mean, how many of these times these old deer get there by, you know, you see it all the time that yep. encounter after encounter that they just figure out some way to stay alive. Yep. Um, that's a fact. Just so night. the monkey um, is, uh, so you shot a bit, you shot a big old buck in Pennsylvania. The monkey's off the yep. back. You're feeling good. Yep. You're feeling positive. Yep. Yep. Feeling good. Yeah. Where does, and I, dude, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, man, I have never seen a body on a white tail like this thing. Big. Like he had to be all of 300 pounds. Oh. I and mean, he looked like a cow of antlers. That's awesome. Um, just incredible deer. So when he was walking so. in, you knew like, Jesus, this is a big body deer. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. I knew right away. Like he had a very like distinct rack. He had this like almost like kind of dagger of a bladed out um, brow tine, um, and then like short like they call him stubby because like his his uh, 
his tines are real short, like yeah. short and stubby. Um, and I saw that, that brow tine sticking up and I was like, Oh yeah, that's him. And, uh, I, I probably looked at him through my binoculars like five times as he was bounding up there. And, and then it all happened like super fast. Like he got into the food plot, made a beeline towards the other end and which brought, uh, brought him right by us. And, uh, it just, it all happened so fast, but yeah, um, yeah. Monkey is, is off my back now. Well, that's awesome. All right. So big old buck in Pennsylvania, you go, Yep. You you go and and like, I'm sure in the back of your head you were happy, but then at the same time you're just like, dude, I still have Iowa to hunt this year, right? So all no, the yeah. and you've yeah. hunted Iowa before, but all like all the dreams and the no first time, oh, first time. I thought you I, I thought you hunted the first time in Iowa. Dang, bro, I was wrong. No, no, first time out there. All right, so let me ask you from a first timer, and everybody talks yeah. about Iowa, you know, like the you know they're. You know, every, here's what I'll say. I'll say this. Um, everybody says, you know, behind every tree is a 170 in Iowa. Well, that's not true, but there might be a 150 behind every tree in Iowa. And what I mean by that is I, what I mean by that is if you hunt hard enough and, and put yourself in the right positions and are not afraid to move around and, and hunt hard and spend a, like a good week, week and a half in a tree, I'm confident that in some way shape or form you will run into a four-year-old deer uh, that could potentially be 150 in iowa so yeah going into like i think go ahead oh i was just saying i think like and you just see deer act like deer um like they're still skittish like they're still super like cognizant of their surroundings but like you get to see like rutting activity you get to see yeah you know, uh, I saw deer, you know, snort wheezing at each other and about to fight. Like you just see all these things that you don't get to see in some of these heavily pressured states. Like I could probably count on, on one hand, how many times I've heard a buck snort wheeze in Michigan. I'm not saying I don't, I just don't think you experience it as much, especially on some of these heavily pressured pieces that you hunt or that, at least that I hunt here in Michigan. But, um, it's just a, it's a different world for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, uh, so you had, what was your expectation going into Iowa then at this point? Cause that was your next hunt, right? Yeah. 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 I, I bounced around at home a little bit, got some hunts and had a couple good encounters, uh, end of October, um, with some, with some bucks at home. Um, just, just, just didn't come together. Um, but yeah, had Iowa coming up and, and again, my expectation was like, I want to go out there and kill a mature buck, whether that's my standards went up a little bit. Um, like I was more or less looking for a, you know, again, a three and a half year old, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like looking for, you know, I, I, I would hope that he'd have a little bit in the antler department just cause it yeah. is Iowa. You pay, you know, you, you, you pay for the opportunity to get to go out there and, and hunt, you know, world-class deer essentially. Yeah. Um, you, you put in for two, three, four, five years, however it takes you to, to draw for the zone you want to go. And, um, but I had realistic expectations. Like I'm not hunting, like I'm not hunting like Mark Drury's place. Like I'm hunting some public and I'm hunting like permission stuff, um, that, that my friends had access to that they were giving me some, um, some access to. And so I knew like going in, like, yeah, there's a heck of a lot better deer running around these these we had some good trail cam photos and things like that and you know knew historically from what my friends had 
had killed over the years and what they had seen. Like I knew this is like, is a good area, but I also like had like realistic expectations. Like I'm not going out there expecting to kill, you know, 170 inch deer bust type of thing. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kill a good, respectable, you know, mature buck and have a good time doing it with friends. Yeah. So you get to Iowa and what happens? Get to Iowa. Um, get out there a little later than, uh, in the, in the first day that I wanted to, I was going to go just pull uh, a couple cards on, on one of the properties I had access to. And, and, um, I, I brought everything with me though. Like I had like, I don't know, there's like maybe two hours of daylight left, something like that. One pulled a card and it was on the scrape and this thing was like very active, um, like very fresh scrape. And, uh, instead of kind of pushing into, to some of the core of that property to, to grab another car. I was like, you know what? It's, it's, I think November 1st or whatever. Um, there, there's probably a good deer on there, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to push in there tonight and try to grab it. I'm going to maybe grab it later on in the week. If I go into there to hunt, I'm just going to set up on the scrape and, uh, I don't know, the last hour and a half or so. And that's what I did and ended up having like a little year and a half old buck come and hit the scrape. Um, some deer moving around after dark um but very very uh, low-key night uh, but it was just good to get out um get that first sit under my belt there in iowa and uh i knew i was gonna make a, a pretty good tromp in the morning far back into this piece of public that was gonna require me to cross a river and all this kind of stuff in the dark um so i was more or less just <laughs> kind of mentally preparing myself for that because i knew it was gonna be a a trek in the morning to get in there and, and, uh, went in that next morning, made that long hike across the river, got all set up, no issues and, uh, somewhat of a slow morning to start. And then, I don't know, maybe nine o'clock things really started to pick up. Um, had a really nice three and a half year old buck kind of come in behind me, um, chasing the doe, uh, up over this ridge and, um, anywhere else I probably would shot that deer. Uh, he was probably like 125, 130 inch nine point, like yeah. super nice buck. Um, but again, it's like my first full day out there. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to, I may regret this later on in the week, but I'm going to pass this deer. And, um, it was actually really cool. I ended up seeing another buck come in kind of like a busted up. You could tell he was like a, uh, kind of like a little bully buck. He was young, probably like two and a half year old buck, but all busted up. And these two deer are like, they're like paw on the lead like they're like doing like the like the bull kind of whole paw on the ground like at each other snort wheezing grunting acting um, like big dogs just like hit oh yeah. my gosh yeah, yeah. dude it's crazy like i thought there's gonna be this big you know knockdown brawl right in front of me um they never came to blows but man they were both like hitting scrapes and just like posturing and um they hung out there it felt like forever it's probably like 10, 15 minutes they just kind of sat around doing that like back and forth and finally they just kind of moved off and ended up being pretty quiet the rest of the day I, I thought about sitting sitting the entire day there but this felt like one of those spots um that was that was more of like a morning spot than like a, an afternoon type deal yeah so i got out of there um reconvened with um one of my buddies got out of work early that day uh who was out there he had already filled his tag so we're like you know what let's um there's uh one of my buddies places that he had access to fresh cut cornfield that like butts up to um like a property that no one hunts yeah um 
and there had just been deer piling into this cornfield. Um, and so they had this little ground blind down in there and, uh, essentially like, you know, this is going to be one of our only chances we had to hunt that. Um, just with, with the winds, like perfect wind for it. And like, let's just go for it. Let's, let's give it a shot. Um, went in there and dude, this is such a cool property. Like that it butts up to like just a beautiful, uh, like cedars and CRP, just like good cover. And, uh, it just kind of is one of those deals where you just feel like it's a matter of time until like a good buck stop steps out of there. Like if you like were going to keep design, looking back in there and waiting for him to, if you were going to yeah, design a property, that's exactly what it like in your head. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And there's like, there's this like drainage that comes off the crop field that goes down in here. And it's just like good brushy cover along this drainage. And you know, it was actually pretty quiet for a while. And then, couple does couple does i'm looking back out there and just like boom just like giant man like 160 inch deer just like beautiful white rack like wide sweeping beams i mean it's just like it's like out of like a magazine type yeah. of thing you know and this deer uh is making his way right to us i was like oh my gosh this is too I, I gotta i gotta back up for a second we had a decoy we had a decoy okay. out in this cornfield um, and I'd only hunted over a decoy a handful of times, maybe only like once or twice, uh, back when I was hunting Ohio a little bit more. Uh, I just, I don't use one in Michigan. I never had any luck with it yeah. here and seemed to spoof more than you, you, you bring in here in Michigan. Um, so we got a decoy out. So sorry, that's a, that's an important, that is very that's important. An important part of the story. Uh, so you set the so decoy up he's in, with this, uh, in the field. And he's coming off of this property, right? In the cornfield. Yep. He's coming off this property. We're watching him come off this property and he gets to like the fence line and he's with this doe and they're both just, they're both just looking at this decoy. I was like, holy cow, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Just watching him. It's like, he's not far from us, but obviously he's on a, on another property and he's, you just can't get a shot up. We we had the windows closed, um, that way. So we just like, just like a little enough to be able to peek out, you know? You were in a ground blind. And, uh, yep. Okay. Yep. It's almost essentially like a little like gun blind, like a, like a little box blind, but it had like vertical windows for, for bow hunting. Okay. Like a, like a homemade type one. Yeah. Um, and so we're sitting in there and, uh, you can see this, but he's like I don't know, 20 yards away. Um, and we're just waiting for him to, to, to start heading our direction. And the doe, the doe did not like the decoy. Um, there happened to be like some, they were cutting corn across the field or across the, uh, across the road on the other field from us. And one of the big semis came up out of there with all filled with corn and didn't like that. And they just kind of bounded back into this stuff. And, um, we watched him make a scrape under a cedar tree is like, holy cow, like this thing, this thing is so again, one of those, like they got nine lives, man. Like yeah. they just know. Yeah. Um, how many how many times do they invade situations like that? Do you think that decoy four and a half, five and a half years old? Do you think that decoy, um, if he wasn't there, they would have not slowed Maybe. down and jumped yeah. the fence? I, I try not to think about that. But I yeah, I mean, I also think if he wasn't with that doe, he probably would have came across. Yeah. Um, but I I think having him with that because he followed her right out of the thick stuff yeah. where they were bedded. So I think he was just locked on that doe and was going to do whatever she did. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, my guess, like they were coming there for a reason. They were, I think, they were coming there into the cornfield and they were feeding there all night. Yeah. Um, and they saw that decoy and the semis on the road didn't help either. Um, farm trucks didn't help either, and just uh, one of those things. So, um, knowing that this buck is in there, I mean, yep, it sounded like it. It was a specific spot, and you weren't going to be able to hunt it a lot. Uh, were you able to yep. get back in there yep. and, and chase that deer again? Uh, well, I'll, I'll uh, let me let me keep going on with the story here. Oh, um, I'm sorry so, I interrupted, sir. Continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this deer kind of goes back in. We we see him make a scrape, and then we kind of lose sight of him. I think he just kind of went back in, uh, kind of where he came. So from. it was very fairly, and, uh, fairly early in the hunt then, when all this went yeah, down. Yeah, okay. We still had we still had probably a half hour, 45 minutes of daylight left. So quite a bit of daylight left. Gotcha. Um, a lot, lot can happen. Um, but they're kept like does kept piling out. Um, we were kind of like in the bottom of this little, um, dip in the field. Um, we kept had having does come out both sides, like up on the top. And we were, we were looking, um, up towards the top of this field and, and, uh, my buddy's like big buck, big buck coming coming right towards us and i look out and he had come out i don't know maybe 75 to 100 yards up the hill from us and he got into that cornfield and he saw that decoy and just made a beeline for us and he came he came like ready to fight um that decoy um the only problem was there was like a doe and a and a couple of fawns that had popped out right by us and they were right by the decoy too and we had kept these windows and this blind shut just to keep as much scent as we could inside. Um, and that buck, I find like, I barely saw him until he got like, we had the decoy, the decoy, I don't know, it was like 20 yards, 18 yards, something like that from us. Um, he finally stuck his head where I could see him. And I go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm shooting that buck. And I open, I start to open this little vertical window and there's like a fawn, like at 10 yards, like looking straight up at me. Um, I shouldn't say straight up. I mean, right at me. I mean, we were maybe we're out, we we're like on like a grain cart type thing, like a flatbed kind of trailer. This thing sits on. Yeah. So we were maybe a couple feet up in the air. Um, and I opened this thing and this, this fawn is like looking right at me. I, I don't know how I got this window open without her spooking. Um, but she just kind of, I just like froze <laughs> and she just kind of kept feeding on she just kept kept walking i finished getting that door open and i wait till he kind of postures at that buck kind of starts coming around and uh wrote, i was on my knees and just kind of was able to get my ball up and and draw back and i shot him at like 18 yards and watched him watched him fall over um he, you know he died within 50 yards in the field um biggest buck of my life so um funny how that works sometimes yeah. it wasn't as big as the other one that that we saw but dude i didn't care yeah i didn't care one bit so was um, that pennsylvania that was, buck like how big was that pennsylvania buck you know i never put i never put a tape on him um but i bet he was like 130 something inches okay now compared to any um, other deer that you shot in the past where does that pa buck rank like top three dude i haven't killed a lot of big bucks yeah um like my biggest like my biggest to this this point was like a like 136 and some change inch deer in ohio yeah um and then 
I think that Pennsylvania buck is probably a little bit smaller than that deer. Gotcha. So like probably low 130s, high 120s, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then this thing was just like this almost perfectly symmetrical 10 point, um, just a beautiful, beautiful buck. Um, and I no doubt in my mind I was shooting that deer once I saw him. Yeah. Um, and like, I actually think dude, like, and this is, so we, we, I did end up putting a, that's the only deer I put a, a tape on this year and he was like 145. Yeah. Um, and I actually think he's maybe only a three and a half year old deer that just had exceptional antlers for a three and a half year old. Yeah. Um, he was like 172 or 175, something like that pounds dressed. Um, so I mean, it's November. He had, he had been rutting a little bit, but it's not like it was the end of the rut where he was totally worn down. Um, it's, it's crazy though. Cause he had like a big head on him, big neck. Um, like he looked like a bigger body deer than, than what he ended up weighing. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was just like a three and a half year old deer that just had, you know, superior genetics, great genetics yeah. and big antlers. What yeah. was he? Yep. What, what was his antlers? Whoa. He's like a perfectly like symmetrical 10 pointer. Okay. Um, and like I had like a one or two inch kicker on the base of his, uh, right antler, gotcha. um, which I didn't know he had until we walked up on him. And so how big was he? You think so? He's like 145 inch. Deer. Okay, we, we did measure him. Um, it's like 144 and seven eighths or something, just shy of 145. And you're jacked at this point, right? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. Like we just like it was funny. Like so, like me and then my two other buddies that had been tagged out already there in Iowa. Like we were just like we were just kind of like killing some because I didn't leave right away. This is so this is like the first full day I was there. Yeah. And I had, so this is like a Tuesday and I was planning on staying until like Saturday. So I ended up leaving like a day or two early, but like I, I wanted to just hang out for a couple of days. We had, you know, don't get to do that very often with your buddies. And Mark was around. So we had like four or five of us. We had our other buddy Corey that was out there from Michigan um, that was hunting his spot. So we just like had a great time, like, you know, after the hunt, just hanging out and talking about the day. And so like during the day, I was like driving around, just like looking at deer. And then we'd go meet up at, uh, where the, the buck was at my buddy's place and like, want to just go look at him. So we just go like, look at like standing around and look at him. Like, talk. And it was, it was, we had a lot of fun. Heck yeah, man. So that's awesome. Well, success yeah. in Iowa, yep. success in PA. Yep. Um, yep. and I know this is all like the abbreviated version of all, all of, of your season, yeah. but so any yep. luck in Michigan? No, man. No, I, I did not kill a deer. I didn't even kill a doe in Michigan this year. Just, um, one didn't need, you know, really didn't need the venison. Um, yeah. Had two bucks in the freezer and full freezer and for for you know it's, I I probably could have used one doe. Um, I was I was hoping to get out in the late season and try to kill one here in Michigan. Just timing with the holidays and other trips and all that kind of stuff just didn't pan out. But uh, had a few more encounters in Michigan with the I saw one really nice buck. Um, one of the mornings, uh, just just again just not in range didn't worry he's chasing the doe followed her right out of my life um but i really didn't have like anything on my spot in michigan like i got a little 40 acres that i lease and historically has been good like always like good deer in there just this year just did not have that on the camera it was like the best deer i had i think it was like he was probably like a four and a half year old deer on like this big six pointer um but i ended up not seeing him at all on the hoof during the season um he was probably the, the one buck i was kind of after um that i knew about um, but really didn't have any great pictures of any kind of mature deer in, in michigan that i was after so 
kind of kind of made it a little bit easier to swallow not getting out much in Michigan kind of give that place almost essentially a year off and um see what happens next year out there okay so then um so 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 that was North Dakota then right you went back to North so Dakota that, so th- yep so I went back so went back to North Dakota in December um it, in between North Dakota and, and Idaho or I'm sorry Iowa had a trip to Ohio that didn't pan out and nothing happened down there. Saw some really good deer. Just again, didn't, uh, didn't happen. Um, cool, cool area. We hunted down Southern Ohio and then go back to North Dakota in the late season to try to fill that tag. Um, I had, so it was with the breaking point guys again. Um, we had kind of bounced around a couple of different spots that we were looking at, um, that we we're trying to decide where to go. And uh, ultimately made the decision to go into this one blind. Um, there had been a, I think they call them the Browless Nine or, or Browless or something like that. I can't remember what they had named. Browless Nine. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, let's go. He seems to be the most active on, on the cameras. And, okay, we'll go see if, uh, like, it wasn't, like, perfect for that um, spot. But the, the win that we had that night was not great for any of the other ones. So we went in there after that deer, um, didn't have like super high hopes. It was actually like the warmest day of what it was supposed to be all week. I was like highs in like the upper twenties and wind chills and like the teens, but like it was supposed to get just super nasty. Um, the next few days, like wind chills, like negative 20, 30 degrees. Um, and that's kind of really what they're looking for out there. Um, these deer just pile into food. Um, they really kind of yard up together and, and, uh, you see a lot of numbers in the late season out there because they, they really concentrate in different areas. Um, so we just went in uh, to this spot, seeing what happened. And lo and behold, dude, first deer we see this entire trip back out there is the buck we were in after. And he walked right to us, and I shot him at 20 yards and watched him die in the field again. I, we were in the blind for like an hour, dude. That was, it was just nuts. like one of those, like, yeah, it's just like one of those, like, you never expect it to go like that it never goes like that for me it's like like this whole year like i killed in pennsylvania the first like full day like second day we we're there first full day hunting iowa killed like the first full day hunting um and then north dakota i killed like the first hour like this shit never happens man yeah um so i'm like really i'm really worried actually <laughs> that i used up like all this like this luck um this year like these next couple of years, I'm probably going to pay for it dearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> man, so I'm you gonna, think I'm like there's in... a gas tank and you used all of the gas <laughs> yeah, exactly. in 2022. I used it all up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to enjoy the hell out of 2021 because, uh, I think 2022 and beyond might, might be a little <laughs> bit more, uh, uh, probably won't be as fruitful for me. You got to stay positive. Yeah, I just like, I know <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to keep riding this luck as long as I can, but, um, you know, uh, Part part of it's a lot of it's luck, but then also like being around a lot of great whitetail hunters and and folks that know what they're doing and have been able to to gather some of that experience and and put it into into practice and in what I'm doing and and uh, just very fortunate this year to 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 have the opportunities I did and, yeah. and uh, man is is a fun year. Well, I, I would think that if a guy shoots three deer in one year, you might want to contemplate writing a book about how to kill whitetails. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's in my cards. I'll leave. I'll leave the. I'll leave the writing to the professionals. Right, right. But um, 
yeah, man, it was a, it was a fun year and, and, uh, looking forward to, to having a, a good 2022, whatever that may bring. I starting to, to do some planning for like both work and like personal trips this year. So we'll kind of see what's on the docket and, uh, looking forward to, to really diving in and doing some planning for that here soon. Heck yeah, man. Well, Mr. Hilliard, congratulations on one hell of a season, dude. I mean, despite Thanks, the, uh, the, the shakeups in other States, you know, it, you came out on top. Yeah, no. And that's like, what's so crazy. Like, it's just like one of those it, it, horrible beginning to the year. And then just like really rounded out nicely and, and uh, ended up being, you know, my best year yet. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe ever. Who knows? Yeah. I, I get, hopefully got don't a lot say of ever to do this. You, you sound like um, you're 65 no, years old. <laughs> <laughs> that saying, could I, be I, the end. I hope I have a lot of years left to do this, but man, this is a, this is a, a, a damn good year and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to soak it up and, and, uh, I hope to have years this good down the road. Heck yeah. So I'll, I'll be very fortunate if I do. So well, I tell you what, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and, and sh- uh, share yeah, all those stories with us. And congrats again. Hey, congrats to you, man. You had a heck of a year, too. Um, we'll, have to we'll have to catch up more offline. And, and uh, I, I want to hear some more about your stuff down the road here, too. You had, you had a heck of a year yourself. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Josh. Huge shout out to all of you. Huge shout out to Hunt Stand, Lone Wolf, Wasp, Ozonix, Vortex, Exodus, and Excalibur. I always say this, please go out and support those brands because honestly, they make this happen. That's how this world works, right? So uh, if you like what you're hearing on the Sportsman's Nation and the Nine Finger Chronicles, please go support those brands that we uh, promote here. And lastly, good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.